couple weeks ago, Kirk had asked me if I was able to preach today, and I said, yes, I would. And so when that happens, you know, when I know that I'm, that I'm preaching, I begin, okay, I'm going to start preparing. What am I going to preach on? And uh, one thing you will find out about me is that when, when I do that or when I begin to write down some of my thoughts, it changes many times. Okay? I have my computer at home, and I have scores of sermons on my computers from when I preached back in Pennsylvania and all that. And I can tell you for sure that a lot of those sermons I had on my, on my computer, I never even preached. Because I would have them prepared, and then as I had them prepared that morning, God kind of changed it. You know, there would be, there'd be times that you would see that I would have notes on the back of my sermons, you know, that was totally different than what my sermon was prepared on. There'd be times during that I would have it on the back of, a, of the announcements. I would write down verses. Times you see it on my phone. So I have sermons all different, different places. I have tried to organize and get them together. And, and uh, you know, that's kind of what happened here. Not that God changed my sermon this morning. He changed my sermon several times throughout the time that I was preparing for it. You know, it, some of it, similarity, similarities. There are some things that, you know, that I thought about a couple weeks ago that I'm going to use today. But it was in a different way than I even planned. And even this morning, as, as I was getting ready, you know, Nathan sent me a message, hey, do you have uh, the verse you're going to use? Yes, I'm finishing them up right now. You know, if I would have sent them to him a couple of days ago, he'd be totally lost and totally confused. That's just how I am. That's just how God works. There's times, you know, back in Pennsylvania, you know, I played the drums. And so I'd be back there playing the drums, and when I'm playing the drums... I can feel God speaking to me, and I'm playing one-handed when I'm trying to write down a, a verse the other hand, you know, trying, trying to, okay, I've got, I got to remember this. But anyways, the reason being is because as I go throughout the week, and we all do it, we get all these thoughts in our head, right? So that's the title of my sermon today is Just a Thought, okay? And that's what I want to kind of preach on. So, some helpful thoughts for us to, to know. First of all, we all have them. Second of all, we all process them. Third of all, we all discard what thoughts we don't want. And fourth thing is, we all act on thoughts that we have, even though they may not be good for us, or true. We act on those thoughts. Thoughts come in our head. We begin to to think, and if they're not right thoughts, we didn't get them out, or we begin to dwell on them. Some thoughts are good, some thoughts because that's in trouble. I remember as a kid, my dad was a fireman, and I remember laying on the floor in our family room, you know, as a kid does, watching TV, your pillow under your head, and your feet up in the air, and I'm watching the television, and I hear my dad's scanner go off, and he has a fire call. And for us to get out of our house, he's in his bedroom. He has to go run through the living room, through the family room, through the kitchen to get out our front door. That was how our house was set up. So I hear him begin to run. I hear him run through the living room. And as he gets into the door of the, of the family room, I had a thought. What if I put my feet down? And I acted on that thought. And as he ran by me, I put my feet down. I always thought my dad was a superhero. 
So as I turned and seen him flying through the air, I realized he wasn't Superman because two feet later he crashed into the ground and rolled into the kitchen cabinets. At that point, I realized my thought wasn't a good one. I was in trouble. And I could see him look at me with his, with his face. It was red. And he gets up and he runs out the door to go to the fire because he knew that was his responsibility. So imagine all the thoughts that ran through my head from that time forward until he got home. What's going to happen to me? <laughs> Might as well just go to my room now. Just, just have the paddle ready for him. My, my dad brought home a paddle, a paddle from work one day. And he says, hey, Gray, I want to show you something. I said, what's that, Dad? And he showed me the paddle and it had my brother's name written on it, Reed. <laughs> I laughed, ha, 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 until he turned it over and had my name on the other side. <laughs> so when he grabbed that paddle, we were looking to see what name was, what name was showing. But a study shows that we have, an, on average, okay, 6,000 thoughts a day. Okay, that's a lot. Some studies show up to 60,000 thoughts, which is probably not correct. But approximately out of that, 80,000 or 80% of our thoughts are negative in some way during the day. This could be some of our negative thoughts or in repetitive thoughts throughout the day. I'll give you an example of how we can have so many negative thoughts in the day. Okay? This is an example for women. We think about how our dry, and, and I preach it because I'm going, I go through some of the same stuff, okay, throughout the week. We think about how our dryer is making that noise. That's thought one. Then thought two, well, my husband will take three weeks to fix it. Negative thought. Third one, probably won't fix it right. Fourth, the laundry will back up for days. Five, my house is going to be a mess because of it. Six, we're going to have to buy a new dryer, so there goes my new couch I wanted. Seven, the old dryer will end up staying in the basement for three more weeks after that. Eight, that will start an argument. Nine, because now he's in a bad mood, he would not care how he carries the dryer. Ten, probably scratch the walls on his way out, the door with it. Eleven, now I have to buy new paint to paint the, the walls. Twelve, there goes my new crock pot I wanted. Thirteen, he won't like the color I pick out. And fourteen, he won't help me paint. And it goes on and on and on. Negative thought after negative thought. One little thing will lead to all these negative thoughts. Here's an example for men. My wife is complaining because the dryer is making noise. Thought two. This is going to end up with me buying a new house. <laughs> right? How many can, how many can uh, relate to that, right? Those are our thoughts. Okay? When we begin to imagine something, our brain actually gives us an image of it. And the things that we imagine is not always true. The imaginations will get us into trouble. Will get us into to, to areas that we don't want to get into. Like how I tripped my dad. It got me into trouble. It would give us images. I'll give you one other example. When I was in second grade... We went to Disney World. When we went to Disney World, my mom and dad thought it would be fun just to tease me and my brother. So as we got out of the shower, each of us got out of the shower, the hotel room, they took a picture of us in our towel coming out of the, out of the bathroom. 
me first, and then my brother second. But all oh, they were, it was all fun and games, right? They were all laughing at it. So me and my second grade old mind, I said, well, I'm going to get them back. So I camped out at the door. I stole my mom's camera. And I camped out the door until my dad came out of the bathroom in his little looms. And I took a picture. Now, this is a camera where you have to take it to the store and get it developed, right? <laughs> I was in trouble. So, once again, the thoughts went in my head, what's going to happen to me? I can imagine the thoughts of the person developing the picture, seeing pictures of two boys in a, in a towel and a man in a, in a fruit of the looms. <laughs> what is going on? You know, I can imagine those thoughts. But we put our, our, everything about ourselves are in our thoughts. And they can be negative or they can be positive. So I want to share some things with what the Word says about this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Now, I think we have it up as the, the English Standard Version up there, and I have a couple different versions I'll be reading from. This was actually from the New King James Version. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 5 says, or 10, 5 says this, Casting down the imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You see, when we get those thoughts in our mind, when we get those imaginations, and those imaginations don't align up with the word of God, when they don't line up with the fact that we have peace, that it causes anxiety in us, right, and causes fear and causes worry and causes all these different things, then these aren't thoughts from God. And so what do we have to do? We have to cast them down. And oftentimes, we've got to cast them down right at the very beginning. Now, my example about the broken dryer, we've got to cast them down right at the broken dryer. Because what happens is then we begin to think, oh, no, because my dryer is broken, it's going to cost me money. Because it's going to cost me money, I'm not going to be able to pay the bills. And because I don't have to pay the bills, I'm not going to be able to pay the bills. I'm going to not be able to, to feed my kids. And because I can't feed my kids, and then we let it go on and on. And we have to stop it right there. The fact is, I have a broken dryer. God's going to handle it. I can't handle it. I don't have the ability to handle it. Now, for us, me and Joyce, we had a broken dryer. Now, I'm not saying those are the thoughts in her mind, because I would never scratch the paint on the walls. And I wouldn't wait three weeks to fix it. <laughs> She's already given me a look back there. If you, if you ever want to know if I'm being sarcastic or whatever, just watch my wife. Her one eyebrow goes up. When her one eyebrow goes, goes up, I'm in trouble, Jerry. Okay. Anyways, so when we get that thought that's not correct, it's not God, we need to cast it out, get it out. I'm going to allow God to handle this. God's going to give me wisdom. God's going to make a way. Do we have the money for a new dryer? Yes, we have the money for a new dryer. But though, I'm stubborn. I don't want a new dryer. Now, Joyce found a $50 dryer. Great, it works. Went down, installed it, you know, changed, well, my son changed the wire for me, taught him how to do that. But we installed it, got it running, good, it's over. We could have sat there and we could have dealt with that. And we could have just dwelled on it and saying, you know what, I don't know how we're going to make it. I'm not sure how we're going to do this. We just have all these Christmas bills to pay. The Bible warns us to get rid of these imaginations right away. If gone unchecked, it will lead us away from God's will. Because and we try to find in our thoughts, we try to find out how we can take care of the problem ourselves. 
And the fact is that we can't take care of the problem ourselves. Because it tells us in the word, right? To cast your burdens upon the Lord and he shall sustain you. Taking care of, your, of ourselves is in a way of being disobedient to God. Because he's telling us to cast it upon him. Doesn't mean that every time that you have to decide what color you're going to paint your house, that you have to ask God. Okay, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that when it's, when it's a problem that's creating you anxiety or creating you stress, you know what, Lord, I can't do this. I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to lean upon your understanding. So there are three ways, there's three components, okay, of how we can accept something into our life, okay, in speaking. We have three components of our body. Our body, our mind, and our spirit. And I've always was taught and I always learned that there's three ways that we can receive things. If we receive it with our body first, okay, it's things that please our flesh. And our, if it pleases our flesh, our flesh is going to accept it right away. And then our minds will justify it. If it's something out there that pleases our flesh, our minds are going to justify why we can do it. And therefore, our spirit is grieved afterwards because we received it through our flesh first. The second way we can receive things is through our mind first. And our mind, if we do it that way, our mind reasons why we should be able to do this. And our flesh accepts it. And our spirit, if it's not right, our spirit grieves it again because we went out on our own and we did our own thing. And oftentimes, that creates sin in our life. That's how Adam and Eve sinned, within reason. Hey, she received it in her mind, saying, you know what, yeah, this, this seems right. I could have this apple, it seems right, there doesn't seem nothing wrong with that. And therefore, if she, she did it, she grieved. But then the third way that we, that we should receive it is through the Spirit first. Through our Spirit, this Holy Spirit, that God speaks to our spirit. And when we do it, our spirit receives it. And, our, and is satisfied. Our mind reasons it. And then therefore, our body accepts it. That's how we should work with our thoughts. Does it line up with the word of God? Does it give me calmness? Does it give me peace? I talked before about peace, right? Peace isn't always just the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. So if you have the presence of God in you and, and the word comes to you, your thought comes to you, and you feel peace about it, then you know that I'm in the presence of God and that's peace. This is the right thing. And because of that, this is going to satisfy my mind. It's going to satisfy my body. If it comes to you and you don't feel peace at it with it, then you know I need to stay away from it. So our thoughts mostly lead us to accept things that are not true, things that are not pure, things that are not lovable, things that are not commendable, things that cause us stress and anxiety. If we allow those things, now those things just come into my heart, into my mind, just like putting my feet down to my dad. Nobody told me that. I just thought it. But there's other thoughts that come to your mind because someone from outside plants it in your mind. They say a word. They say something bad about you. They say, and then you dwell on that. And then you begin to say, you know what? Maybe that is true. Maybe that is how people think of me. Maybe, you know, maybe he, he or she has a point with that. And then we begin to dwell on that. And then all it does, what? Creates a stress, anxiety, 
everything else. And I'll give you another example of that. A couple of years ago, I had to fire someone at work. I don't like firing people. You know, I, I very rarely do it. It comes to the point where someone says they got fired or something got fired, they must have really done something really bad because I'm the most pleasant person at work. Now, my wife doesn't say I'm the most pleasant person at home, but I'm the most pleasant person at work. So one day I had fired this, this man. He, he was really doing some things out that he shouldn't have been doing. You know, punched, punched a, our window of our van and getting very angry. And, and one day he just told me you know, he wasn't going to do you know, what I asked him to do. And I said, you know what, I'm sorry, then there's the door. And I had another manager with me, and, and we had to escort him out. And uh, they were worried that, because he had something in his car for me, which was his uniforms. He was already determined he was going to quit that day. But they had, we had to escort him out, and they had other people come out with me because they were afraid that he had a gun in his car and he was going to shoot me up. And uh, this is just his mindset. So he left, no, no instance. But it was just a couple weeks later, I get a text message. And I wasn't the only one who got a text message. Every other manager got a text message from this guy. And this is a text message he sent. And you all know this story, you know, with, with me and our daughter. But he sent me a, a text message and says, you are a horrible father. No wonder your daughter killed herself. Now, man, imagine what it would go through in your head. And, what, and I'm sitting in my bedroom. My wife was out watching, watching TV. And I'm sitting in my bedroom and I just read this text message, and I started to get angry. You know, I started, I wanted to respond back to him. And I actually started to respond back to him, and I said, no, I'm not going to do it. Because all these thoughts started coming to my head. Maybe he's right. Maybe I wasn't a good dad. Maybe I'm responsible for this. Maybe, and in that very moment, I begin to hear God speak. Stop it. Get it out. Get it out of your head. Because Satan does want no more than to bring these accusations into your life. How many of you have ever had a thought that came in your head or someone spoke something that it bothered you so much that it destroyed your peace? We all have probably at one point in time. And when it comes to destroy your peace, that's when you Gotta cast it out. Because it tells us in the Bible. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. Now it's up there, I think, in the ESV, but I'm reading out of the, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. And it says this And the peace of God which surpasses every thought will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Founding brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. You see how that starts out? And the peace of God, what? Which surpasses every thought. Every thought that you have, the peace of God surpasses it. That means that the peace of God will allow us to realize that 
any bad thing that happens that is in your thought or any bad thing that happens to you is not as bad as you think it is. Every neutral thought that you have is better than what you think it is. And every positive thought that you have, because it says every thought surpasses, okay? That the peace of God will surpass every thought. So it means every good thought you have means it's better than what you can ever imagine. So we can just sit there and say, oh, I shouldn't think of bad thoughts. But even the good thoughts that you think, it is even better than you can have ever imagined what God has in store for you and what God has in plan for you. Because the peace of God surpasses all of it. Satan will put thoughts in your head. And if acted on, it will lead us from God. John chapter 13, verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. See, Satan will put things into your thoughts. I'll try to put things into your heart. But it says that when Satan, when the devil put into the heart of Judas Iscariot. Why? Because Judas Iscariot was thinking on things that were not pure. And it was not true. And that was not honorable, and it was not just, whatever is not commendable. That's why in our lives, everything that we do, that we need to begin to think on the things that are of God. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by staying in prayer. We do that by staying in the Word. We do that by staying in fellowship. You know, when you, when you are having a difficult time, when you're having stress, when you're feeling down, the place you need to be is amongst other believers who are going to lift you up. You need to be in a place where there's worship being played. If you're feeling down and feeling sad, you shouldn't be turning on music that makes you sad. You should be turning on music that lifts you up. And if you look, there's a lot of music out there that, a lot of stations, sad music, suicidal thoughts. And they are. They're out there. there. There's people who sing about death. Well, you know what? You're sad. Stop listening to music that sings about death. Start listening to music that brings life. Stop reading the books that discourages us. And read the book that lifts us up. That encourages us. Stop writing to dear Abby. And start praying to dear Jesus. That's what we need to start doing. Begin to take our thoughts out of the negative and put them into those things that are pure, true, they're just, that's honorable, that's commendable, that's lovely. Know that the scripture... Know in the scripture, it says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. This isn't physical that he's doing. What he wants is to steal our joy. He wants to kill our purpose. And he wants to destroy your testimony. Because the best testimony you can have is that through the hard times, that you can still trust God and have peace. 
Because people in the world cannot say that. I had some guy at work the other day, they were, they were talking, they were joking around, and he says, well, nothing but great because he's always smiling. Well, I'm, I'm smiling because I just trust God in everything. God's my provider. God's my source. God's my protector. God's my deliverer. And I make sure when I pray in the morning, I, what I pray. You know, I think I said it before, I pray in the manner of the Lord's Prayer. And the first thing I do was when I prayed, I just begin to thank God. Lord, I thank you for who you are. Because you are so good to me. That even though when I'm having a bad day, you have already know what you have in store for me. That even though that things may not go right, you always provide for me. You deliver me. You take me out of the darkness. And where I thought I was, and there's times in my life where I thought that my life was actually over, I see that God has brought me even more peace and more joy. And those are the things that we need to begin to think on. Instead of thinking about everything that the world wants to tell us about. When they turn negative, we deny God's power and authority. And that's what Satan wants us to do. See, the example of that is Job. Remember, Satan's walking to and fro, and God tells him, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan goes, well, the only reason why he serves you is because nothing ever bad ever happens to him. You're protecting him. And God says, hey, I, I will remove my protection off him. Just don't touch him. Satan didn't want to kill Job, what he wanted to do, he wanted Job to curse him. He wanted Job to curse God, and he wanted Job to to get angry and to blame God for what's happened in his life. And what would that have done? That would have ruined Job's testimony. Job had a testimony going, but Job didn't fall for that. He didn't curse God. He said, whatever God wills, who am I? When we, once again, when we think about the negative, when we turn, our thoughts turn negative, we deny God's power and the authority. Mark chapter 4, verse 37 38. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking to the boat, so the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, Jesus, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Some version is we are drowning. Do you not care? See, here they are. The twelve disciples, his closest people, they were in the presence of God. But their thoughts were, I'm going to die. Basically deny what God can do. The, the power, the authority that God has. And then when Jesus stood up and he, he said, wait a minute, where's your faith? And he calmed the storm and they were scared. Well, who is this man who can, who can calm the storm, who, who speaks to the storm? And they believe and they, and they listen to him. They obey him. They didn't realize they were in the presence of God. The disciples' thoughts were based upon what they were seeing in the flesh. Without allowing the peace of God to prevail. In our lives today, any negative thought you have that takes you away from the peace of God 
is the devil. And what you need to rely on is the peace of God and say, you know what? Lord, you may take away my car, but you have something better for me. Lord, you may take away this thing, but you have something better for me. Lord, I may be sick, but Lord, I know that you had the ability to heal me. First time here I've ever preached, I preached on anxiety and peace. And I explained that peace is not the absence of trouble, but is the presence of the Lord. And I really believe that that scripture I just read, okay, proves that. But then I also believe in this scripture too. See, I don't think I wrote it down. No, no, I did not. So let me just tell you. Remember, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying. And he was so agonized about praying that he began to sweat blood. He was in agony. And we can, we can say, well, that's because he was scared of what was going to happen to him. But if that was the case, then that would have kind of put Jesus as a hypocrite because he's telling the disciples not to be scared. You know, you're faith and Jesus is not having faith. But that wasn't because he was scared of what's going to happen to him. It's because Jesus knew that he was going to carry the weight of sin upon him. And what does sin do? Sin separates us from God. And Jesus knew at that very moment that he was going to have the weight of sin and there was going to be a separation. That's why when he was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He felt that separation right there. You see, the peace is in the presence of God. That's why the world, they may have the same thoughts of you, that you have. And they act differently because you're in God's presence. And they don't have God's presence. In God's presence, there's peace. Remember seeing that song years ago when I was a little kid? In his presence. In his presence, there is peace. And in his presence, there is peace. But if you don't have God, you have no peace. You have no, you have no thinking of what God can do. All you see is what's in front of you. The Lord's presence is what gives us peace. So when we have those thoughts... What is controlling us? His presence or our circumstances? That's the key. What is, thought, what is controlling your thoughts? Are you worried about your circumstances? Or are you just allowing God to, to move? There's many things that's happened in my life, and I'm sure many things that happened in your lives that you thought was not good. But afterwards, afterwards, after, after seeing what God had in store for you, what God was doing, that you realize, you know what? It wasn't so bad. And I'm so happy where I am at now to where I was. 
People are going to say things in our lives that's going to try to destroy us. That man wanted to destroy me by telling me that was my fault. And I could have sat there and I could have let it happen and I could have just dwelled on that and to the point to where it could have controlled me. Or I can come and say, that's not the word, that's not from the Lord. That's not his word. That's not pure. That's not true. That's not honorable. That's not commendable. Because I know what his thoughts of me are. We need to have peace to stay in his presence. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 14. So now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. See? Saul, he began to change because the presence of the Lord departed. Why did the presence of the Lord depart from him? Because he came to the point to where he said, you know, I can't wait. I can't wait for Samuel to come and to give an offering. He was supposed to be here by now. It's not done in my time frame. You know, the people are scattered. It tells us, in, if you read before that, the people were scattered about, and he, was, he saw the enemy coming. He said, you know what? We're going to lose because I see the people scattered. Samuel's not here. This is not right. I'm going to have to make it right, so let me do the offering. And he did the offering, and he was, felt that the offering was what was going to win in the battle. But it wasn't the offering that was going to win in the battle. It was the presence of the Lord that was going to win the battle. And the presence of the Lord is with our obedience. And so he, therefore he disobeyed. He went through his thing. And he lost the presence of the Lord. Later on, we see the same thing. Samuel was already dead. And here he is. He's facing the Philistines are coming. And he doesn't have anyone to give him the blessing. So what he does, he goes to see as a medium. So he can conjure up Samuel. So Samuel can give him a blessing. And his thoughts were just, if I can just see Samuel. And in those thoughts, his answer to winning the battle was in a man. In Samuel. Not in the word of God. First of all, and no offense, but when God wants to speak in your life, when God wants to move in your life, Obey him. Don't follow the current trends. Don't say, you know what? You know what? I remember growing up, I remember when I was in my first marriage. My wife left me. She had an affair and she left me. But I remember my first marriage, there were times that we had, we had issues. And I remember what I used to do is I, I, I had anointing oil and I prayed on a cloth and I put it on top of that picture of, picture of us. And I prayed. And, and the first time I did that, you know, there was a restoration there. We, we tried to make it up. And, and about two years later, it happened again. And you know what? I began to put more faith in putting oil on a, on a cloth, putting on the pitcher, than I had faith in God. You know what? Yes, it is scriptural that it says anoint the cloth and pin it. It, it is scriptural. But the point is, is that I had faith in that very act. Them being obedient to God and listening to what God wanted me to do. In our lives, we can do that. We can go on TV and see they have holy water. Oh, there's healing in that holy water. And we go buy that holy water so that we can have healing. That's not of God. 
What's of God is obeying him and having him, or asking him, Lord, what is it you want from me? What is it that you want me to do? And there, once again, there's things that are scriptural. Lay on hands, it's scriptural. But you shouldn't be at home saying, you know what, I'll just have to do it until I can go to church next week and they can lay hands on me. No. What's scriptural is that, Lord, whatever I ask of you and ask in your name, I'm going to trust you. It's not the fact of laying on hands what heals me. What heals me is the power of God. That's what heals me. What delivers me is, is not because someone speaks a word. What delivers me is the power of God. The power of God, the presence of God, is what does the work. As long as we are in God's presence, we have the peace that surpasses all thoughts. And his thoughts for us is so much greater. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And as we leave here today, I want you to remember that his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. What he has in store for you is more than what you can ever imagine. And there's nothing wrong with trying to figure out a way to, to fix something. There's nothing wrong with telling your mind, you know what, I need to do this, should I, should I pay? Because sometimes God speaks to you in your trying to figure things out. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is that the absolute number one thing that we need to do is just to seek God in the midst of it. Lord, is this what you want me to do? Is this, do you want me, Lord, to buy the new dryer? Do you want me, do you want me to, to do this? Remember, over the summer, I, I preached here and I made a comment. Is that I had some things that happened to me. I had a, I had a, got a letter in the mail. I was part owner of a business. I, I was a partner in a business. And I resigned. And after I resigned, you know, two years after I resigned, I get a letter that the loan that the, that the business took out was never repaid. And then here I am now responsible for a $50,000 loan. And I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do? I, don't, I have no idea. And I stressed over that. I stressed. I tried to figure out ways. And I said, Lord, what is it you want? And I began to pray, and God began to speak in my heart. First of all, I have to be, to honor. I have to honor my commitments. Oh, that's going to be tough. I've got to pay a $50,000 loan. I have to honor that. And in all reality, I don't know what happened with that loan, because now it's not even, nothing's being said about it. I've called, and they they said, well, it's the year, but we don't know what's going on. But in the meantime, I was confused because I got another letter talking about $5,000 or a $10,000 loan. 
loan. I was like, wait, is this a second loan? And in, in the process, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. And I have two loans. And so one's kind of like wiped out, and the other one is there. And I said, well, Lord, if you want me to be, if I have to, to honor my commitment, I'm not honoring it for the bank. I'm honoring it for you because that's what the Lord tells me. That's what the word tells me. I'll pay what I have to pay. So I called in and he says, well, we're going to make you pay half of that because the other half is on the other person. So I paid $5,000 that wasn't my fault. Well, Lord, what's I going to do? I was honoring God. I can tell you though, this year is that after that, we got a brand new roof put on our house for free. $17,000 value for free. Joyce and I, we were supposed to, in October, we were going to lose these payments that we were receiving. It was done. But God extended those payments till, till May. And those payments pays off our, our last vehicle, which was another $15,000 right there. I paid out 5000 God just gave me 32000 back. I go and meet my new neighbor in my backyard, introduce myself to him. And me and Joyce, we had plans. I wanted to clear out all these pine trees in my back, and I wanted to put a new fence back there. And the new fence was going to cost me $4,500. So that was my plan to do it. And I went back there, and I went to tell him about my plan. I introduced myself to him. And he says, what do you think about all these trees? I said, I want to get rid of them. He goes, I do it too. He goes, I'll help you cut them down. He goes, what do you think about a fence? I said, well, that's what's coming back to you. I was going to put a fence here, and I just wanted to make sure you were okay with me using the property line. He goes, how about I go in half with you on the fence? That's God, isn't it? Those are things that we can say, oh, you know, that just happens. But no, that's God. Why? Because I put my trust in God and say, you know, Lord... I don't have the money to go pay this debt. However, I'm going to be obedient and do what you, I'm going to do. And he blessed me. He blessed us. He blessed my family. Does it mean that I'm never going to go through another problem? No, I'm going to go through another problem. Does that mean that I'm never going to worry? I'm probably going to have a little bit of stress. I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to do this. But I know who I go to. I know who I, who I talk to. I know who I believe in. And I know at the end of the day, when I put my head down on the pillow at night, I know that God has all under control. Let's stand this morning. I want you to think about that. As we close, this pastor comes up and he closes. I want you to think about that. What it, is it today in your life that you have a hard time dealing with? That you have a hard time overcoming? It's not above God. Because God surpasses every thought. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Greg. Uh, well, I was reminded of a scripture as you were sharing today. From Isaiah 26, it says, You, God, will keep in perfect peace 
All those who trust in you because their thoughts are fixed on you. That's really what it's all about, is fixing our thoughts upon Jesus. And when we do, when we keep our thoughts upon Jesus, he's the one that will speak to us, and he will guide us, and he will direct us, and he'll give us his peace. He'll show us his direction. It's a good reminder, because we do live in a day and age where there's lots of people walking around with stress in their life. And I wanted to refer to something you mentioned there also about claws and oil and praying for things. Um, I think you're referencing where handkerchiefs were taken from Paul. Yeah, so in Acts 19, uh, God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So they were out of the ordinary. That even handkerchiefs or aprons that he had touched were carried away to the sick. And then people were healed. So that happened. It was kind of an extraordinary miracle. But we don't really make a practice of getting cloth and, and putting oil on it and blessing things. So don't, if your toaster's broken today, don't get a handkerchief out and put some Wesson oil on it and expect that it's going to be healed. That's not really what you're referring to, but I want to make sure that was clear. And I, and I believe that's what you're referring to, Acts 19. It was a, an unusual thing, a very amazing thing that God did through the hands of the Apostle Paul. But don't make it a spooky thing. Amen.